0: Welcome. You are about to enter the Wooniverse in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Transport complete.
1: Come inside a mystical, magical portal between worlds.
0: I really believe in the magic of life. There's just magic everywhere, and if we open ourselves up to that, it can touch us.
1: Where playful curiosity leads the way and beyond. It does not matter what
2: you've done, the angels will always find your life
1: you won't believe the uh ahas that come up in every single conversation
2: there is a world out there and we are part of not separate from that world
1: i can't wait to explore this enchanting space with you i wanted people to know that they could heal themselves that they weren't stuck with whatever it is they had they were not stuck inside the Wooniverse, a podcast coming to you from the corner of fringe and maine Hi there and welcome to Inside the Wooniverse. I'm your host, Colette Baron reed and joining us today is a living, breathing, real-life goddess, Abiola Abrams. Now, Abiola is an award-winning author, and some of her books include African Goddess Initiation and The Sacred Bombshell Handbook of Self-Love. She is also an intuitive self-love coach, an oracle creator and founder of Mao's Goddess Mystery School and the Goddess of Manifesting Tobago Retreat. Welcome Abiola. Hello, Goddess
2: Colette. I am so glad to be here. Thank you for having me Inside the Wooniverse.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, you know, it was so funny when I was naming this. Remember, you and I talked about it and you were like, I would listen to Inside the Wooniverse. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So You are part of the reason that we called this, this. Now, it is super great to be with you today. You are in South America. Yes,
2: yeah, so just to give you a heads up, you may hear the odd rooster, dogs barking, cows and horses <laughs> who knew that rural Guyana, South America would be louder than Manhattan in New York City.
1: <laughs> it's so great to be with you here today and so fun if we have the odd rooster joining us on our podcast, but let's go on a journey, especially for the listeners who are meeting you for the very first time. You began where?
2: So I was born and raised goddess Colette in New York City, actually, and you would think that there wasn't the odd rooster in New York City, but there actually was. Um, Because my parents, I'm a first generation American, first person in my family born in the United States. My parents were born in Guyana, where I am. And so they did things the Guyanese way. So for a time, there was a chicken in my backyard, (laughs) in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) And if there's one thing kids love, it's being weird and different from everyone else No, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was a bit of a challenge, you know, not only because my family was different, but because it also became an issue in my neighborhood. So my whole family was kind of bullied by a lot of other families in our neighborhood, often told to go back to our country and that sort of thing. And And so it's one thing when, as a kid, you can adjust to being bullied and being different and all of those things. But my whole family was actually Mm. bullied, which was quite, yeah, challenging.
1: That's hard. That's really hard. So how did everybody manage over time? Because you have really strong, pretty amazing parents how did you evolve from there and obviously you were driven towards the arts as a means of self-expression so can we chat a little bit about that and explore that a little more
2: yes so as you said my parents are amazing um anyone who's around me for longer than 5 minutes knows that i extol the virtues of my parents or as i say the well-meaning folks who raised me <laughs> <laughs> some of the things that made us very different from other people in the neighborhood was for example when you came into my house there were altars present and and, you know, you have to take off your shoes. And my father, as a minister, was exploring relationships with different spiritual systems. systems. So doing yoga, which is commonplace, there's yoga in every corner. But in the 80s, for a black man from Guyana, doing yoga was strange to people. So one of the ways, as you said, that I sought to claim my voice was poetry, which naturally, for me, growing up while hip-hop music was growing up, in New York City became for me an expression through music, through hip hop, using the power of words. And I was in a group with friends of mine named Females Beyond Control, FBC, um, which I see as very much, it's, it's a straight line from Females Beyond Control to being a hip hop artist in that group to being a, an author to being an author and so I at the time I was also journaling I was also writing stories my parents are both writers my dad is a self-published author my mom would write her stories for us but she has not been published yet and so the power of the word they're also both Multi-hyphenates and teachers—the power of the the word for me. I love words, and that is a is a was a key part of my creative expression. And so the beautiful thing that happens for any of us who've been outcasts or outsiders or any of that is the moment where you realize, okay, I'm not gonna fit in anyway, so I've gotta just. I've got to just be me, you know? And there was this Toni Morrison quote that I'm now remembering that was in one of my, my little journals that I that I had that I clung to, and I forgot it until this moment. And it was something like, she had nothing to fall back on, not maleness, not whiteness, not ladyhood. And so she very well may have invented herself. It was something to that oh, effect. Yes, so and that, yeah, yeah, those words, and hopefully it is a great ancestor's uh, Toni Morrison, as I'm just remembering it now. Those words, when I read and heard those words, it was like, that's me. I get to invent myself.
1: That is so profound because there is no one like you. I don't know anyone like you. I mean, you are a true, amazing, unique human being, and I love this. So I want to bring in the thread of divination into this conversation. So I've always noticed a relationship between poetry and divination. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, given that the two kind of move parallel in terms of how they help us speak to who we are, um, reflect on where we need to go, et cetera. So I'd love to hear your view on that.
2: Oh my goodness. Goddess Colette, now I just have to just say something to the audience about just the question that you just asked me. The beautiful thing when you find your soulmate tribe, when you find people like the way that Colette and I like magnetized toward each other and manifested each other in this big beautiful world, is that the things that you thought were just so weird and abstract about yourself, like they <laughs> get, and you're like, oh my goodness, someone else thinks this too. So just thank you for that that question. I didn't know that anyone else saw that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> (laughs) So... My cards, for me, and, and any oracle card system or tarot card system, I see it as a communication device, as a way of us being able to download messages from the divine. And poetry is literally like the way that the universe communicates with us, the language of the universe. And it's the same with the cards. And so when I see cards, whether they are my own or someone else's, cards that I resonate with, I should say, I see the image on the cards with the words, and the name and the number, whatever is there, it forms a poem it Mm -hmm. is a poem it's it's literally like a poem that leaps off in a clear way a clear form of communication a clear messaging that is like a a a like is the way (laughs) a download a transmission and it is it is absolutely poetry and there's poetry in everything that i do my last book african goddess initiation there's poetry in my books before then and um my first book was a fictional book and so for, for for some people it does make sense like well, why would you write fiction absolutely it was a fictional self-help book because I have this love affair with words with poetry with communication with the universe and the way that sentences go together is mm-hmm. the same way for me that cards go together yeah when you do a card spread it's a full it's a sentence
1: it's a paragraph it's a poem yeah. <laughs> yes and so this is why yeah you didn't know that I thought this way too well now you do because I I also love words and I think what I have noticed in your work is your lyricism and that is what always struck me and why I loved your work so much and it made perfect sense that we ended up to be connected to each other Um, because there is a, a quality of language that I think most people don't realize that we tap into. So Abiola, tell me, you have the most amazing saying and because you and I both love words and I know the people listening and are magnetized to this amazing conversation with you, may love words too. What do you think words do?
2: Every single word that we speak casts a spell. So right now, for you know, and I just felt everyone energetically out through our universe get nervous, like, oh my goodness, what did I just say? Everything that we are speaking, words are spells in our mouths. So you're casting spells over your life with the words that you speak. And our great ancestress Louise Hay talked about this with her importance of affirmations. For example, we are spell casting. That's what affirmations are. They're spell casting. So you are casting a spell. So be discerning about the words that you speak over your life and over the lives of those who you love and adore every word you speak is casting a spell.
1: I love that. And I love how the saws you know got louder when you yes. said
0: that. As soon as you said you're spell casting
1: and it went yes. <laughs> yes.
2: yes. And we are creating poetry right now with the streets of Guyana, with everything that we are hearing around us, you know? So I believe that firmly. So, you know, when the rooster is chiming in and the donkey and there's a horse and buggy that comes through and there's an ice cream, you'll hear like from where I I live, there's an ice cream man who comes through on a truck for most of us. And there's the same music here, but he's on a bike and he's got the ice cream thing and it's the same exact Mr. Softy music and he's on a bike. We're in concert. We're in concert right now with everything, everything.
1: Oh, yeah, I love it. And you know, I think our conversation today also reminds me that a lot of people who um, see themselves on a spiritual path believe that everything external to us needs to be calm in order for us to be happy or peaceful, etc. That there's such as a relationship between what we what we think we need in the outer world, and and you're sitting in the most outrageous, fabulous chaos. <laughs> And we're talking about these really important things and the world does not have to behave. The world does not have to behave at all. Okay, now I would like to take that thread back a little bit. So, um, you know, when I look back on your journey through, you know, needing to quote unquote figure yourself out and then then determining that you could invent yourself and then you had hip hop as a first expression at the same time because I know you were introduced to divination before that, right? And the two kind of went side by side because it's a way for us when we use language, language itself is oracular, when it is used in such a way that it its elicits our spirit it, there's a quality of that nuance which i think is missing in the way we communicate with each other these days so that's why I like loved your I love your cards your book was so profound because of that poetic quality because poetry is an invitation to the soul would you agree
2: yes it absolutely is it absolutely is and when you start to see things as poetic, when you start to embrace the poetry of the world, you see it all around you. Poetry is absolutely an invitation to the soul. And as you said, I was introduced to divination before that, and actually my first divination system that I used was the runes. And it's interesting because then I I would make my own runes on paper until someone told me that I shouldn't or couldn't have access to runes because culturally it was out of alignment, which I totally disagree with now, but at the time I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to do anything that's out of alignment, and this person is saying this, and so I shut it down. But before we get to that, Goddess Colette, I want to just go even further back. I just remembered before then, um, before even using runes, my very, very first divination system was watching my mom, who would open I forget what they were called, but she would get these my mom is a devout Catholic, and she would get these these little booklets in the mail and people probably know what I'm talking about and when you open them to a teaching that's divination so folks who right. are biblical for example who open the bible and just find a teaching that's
1: called bibliomancy yes right. it's bibliomancy
2: yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. And so that's divination. So a lot of folks, it seems like, oh, wait, it's totally, it's it's a leap. But for many of us, like you've been doing this, but you just didn't know what you were doing, that you were doing divination.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. And it's so true. It's so true. So you are an extraordinary intuitive. I've seen you work. I've been on stage with you. You are amazing. Thank you. Do you have any remembrance of when you had like a big intuitive hit and you realize, wait, um, and I know you shared this, that you felt weird, right? <laughs> you had all this ability. Give me that moment, if you if you can remember one, or maybe a couple moments where you were like, whoa, this is real. I have to pay attention to this. What was it like?
2: Yes. So there were, of course, many different times. And I'm from a family where it's not weird to be intuitive. At this moment, my mom may be on the phone with my Aunt Bobsy and they're talking about their dreams and what you dreamt and what it meant. And all of those things are very much a part of the culture that I was born into. And one example that I can share is when I graduated from college and co-created a... Hip hop theater show called Goddess City, which again, straight line from there to here. And at the time, at first, I was calling it something else, I had a different name for it. And I had been kind of dreaming these ancestors, and dreaming these women, and dreaming these goddesses who I saw as a part of the show. And when one of the women who didn't even end up staying and being a part of the show but her, her only function was that she said the word goddess, which for me then illuminated the poetry that I had been dreaming and made it clear what I had been seeing and actually set me on a course for the next 20 years of my life and beyond because it awoke everything that I had been seeing and, and dreaming and thinking about and talking about but again hadn't put the language to uh-huh. It. And then with the word goddess, it was like, oh my goodness, that is what this is. That's what's going on. And so that was one of many times when... My intuition then matched up with the exterior world and seeing, oh my goodness, this is real. But as you know, this happens on a daily basis. When Colette and I were (laughs) on stage together in Arizona, our cards started communicating with each other. You know, there was, I can't remember, but it was something like I pulled a card that alluded to truth and she pulled a card that said true, you know, it just, it happens. Is you cannot make this stuff up, as I say, 20 million times a day.
1: <laughs> no, and it's so true. And didn't you, just to bring it back to that show that you did, isn't it now in the history box? Yes, it is. So Goddess City,
2: which I co-wrote with my friend Goddess Antoy, Antoy Grant, is in the history books. It was published by University of Michigan Press in a book by Dr. Daniel Banks about the history of hip hop expression through Theater and it is documented as the very first hip hop (sighs) theater play ever. ever, Ever, ever.
1: Yes. Wow. What a what an accomplishment. What an accomplishment. I just love it. I just love it. So let's talk about your book, African Goddess Initiation. You invite the reader into sacred spaces. That was really important, and into the spiritual rituals of your ancestors. It was an extraordinary experience. I mean, the book is an experience. It's not even something you read. It's something that happens. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so as you
2: said, it's not something that you read. It's something that you do. It's a book that you do. It's about ritual and developing a relationship with the divine. and. I love that you were so receptive to me sharing this work with you and you gave me the most beautiful review and shared your thoughts with me personally and privately before it was out in the world. And I'm so grateful for that. Thank you, my sister. But I can't take credit. I can't take credit Mm -hmm. for being the person that said, hey, this should be out in the world and shared. The divine said to me, there was a time, I, I will share with you openly and honestly, there was a time where, you know, I felt like, well, no, this has to be just for this. these people. This has to be just for, you know, and I was very judgmental about who was allowed what. And of course, there are some practices. There are some parts of Kabbalah, for example, that I don't have access to on a heritage basis, but it was, it was spirit. It was the ancestors that said to me, no, 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 my daughter. We choose. We choose who joins the sacred circle. You do not own deities. You do not own the divine. You cannot contain the divine. This is sacred medicine. And as you know, as a generous, loving giver of your sacred medicine, Goddess Colette, when you have sacred medicine, something that you believe can enhance the lives and improve the lives of others, and you don't you know, go knocking door to door, shouting it from the rooftops, then then you're doing the same thing like that big pharma and all of these companies do that try to contain and limit access to medicine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what these rituals are. They are sacred medicine. This is me downloading, me channeling, me transmitting what my ancestors have gifted me with and gifted us all with. It is I know that I benefit, as I said, from um, Jewish Kabbalism. I benefit from feng shui. I benefit from Hinduism. I work with Hindu goddesses. I benefit from Chinese Taoism. I benefit from so many different cultures. And how magnificent! Oop, there's a the rooster. There's a the rooster. The rooster. Yes. <laughs> The roosters agreeing. (laughs) I benefit from the sacred medicine of so many different cultures, and I am honored that my ancestors that Spirit chose me to transmit this sacred medicine of theirs to say, here, world, you can benefit from this medicine as well. Yes, rooster, tell them.
1: The rooster is really
2: enjoying this
1: conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I I think also the book... is an invitation to really learn more. I really want to go back to when you said that you were told you weren't allowed to do runes because you had no cultural connection to runes and yet runes as a divination system is is available to all of us. you know. And when you have great respect for what it is and where it comes from, it's different. But you're also right and you're saying we don't have access to everything. I certainly don't have access to everything, nor should I. But this is also an invitation for us to get more education about cultures we don't know much about, potentially, yes. right? So it's like a yes. person who doesn't know this, it, it kind of, I think you made a comment once when you said it brings this to right size. And when you have like um, African Goddess Rising, you know, your Oracle card deck.
2: Yes, African Goddess Rising. But you have to rising. say it this way, Colette, you have to say African okay.
1: Goddess rising <laughs> okay African goddess rising <laughs> rising it's that same sort of thing it's like let's let's all come up with it you bring it up there's a there's a sense of uplifting us and giving permission for us to be in reverence to um I think that's what I most got out of both your book and your oracle cards this is a beautiful education if you don't know much about these cultures go look and and go learn yeah Right. And see the beauty of others that you may not know about. And I think that was, I found the way you were so poetic about, again, we go back to the poetry, the poetic quality of here, here, come, learn, basically what it was saying. And you have permission. You have permission. That that was really something.
2: Yes, and I think that that is a really important part of our discourse today. You know, that a lot of times we have these conversations and it feels like it's a black and white and either or thing. And the way that it was given to me, the way that it was gifted to me by my ancestors specifically is that this work, it is an encyclopedia, someone called it, of African goddess magic and knowledge. And it is also at the same time a love letter to black womanhood, a love letter to women who look like me, who didn't feel like they fit in. And it can be that. And at the same time, be a book that gives sacred medicine to people who are not from my culture, who don't look like me, but who are looking for, say, a grief ritual or a self-love ritual or a specific relationship with a specific goddess. It can be those things simultaneously.
1: Right. Yeah. Because, again... This is something, again, so generous of you. And I know that you're saying it's not you, it's your it's your ancestors and your goddesses that came through and say, no, this has to be for everybody. But I I feel, again, still quite humbled by the fact that you have done that and that we have permission to read it and to learn. And For me, it was a learning. It was really about learning for me and understanding and having a lot more um, respect and reverence for what you were doing. It's phenomenal. Yeah,
2: I just want to just add this really quick that African spirituality was purposefully demonized for a very long time. And we see that reflected in Hollywood and we see that reflected in various places in, in our society. And so I am honored and humbled that this work does some of that, the lifting of illuminating and gifting people with this knowledge.
1: Yeah, it's it's something. It's really amazing. Um, okay. Now you coined the term woe manifesting. Okay. Woe manifesting. Can you share what the concept means with our listeners? Yes. So there's a lot of talk about
2: manifesting in the quantum. I say all the time, science is catching up with spirituality. You and I have talked about this, right? And so there are a lot of people now who are teaching quantum manifestation, which at first glance may look like, oh wait, that's something different. And it, and they teach and share about shifting into the quantum, shifting in, in the parallel universes that are happening and all of those things uh, when it comes to manifesting. And for me, womanifesting, Is all of that and having a relationship with the divine. So it is very, at least from my worldview, very patriarchal to have a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, relationship (laughs) with the divine where, you know, it's like, yes, of course we can just. Manifest and you can learn how to shift and switch into being able to magnetize toward you the things that you are wanting. Womanifesting is us having a relationship with the sacred because we are sacred. So it's not a wham bam, thank you, ma'am, here's what I want transactional relationship. It is a relationship where we are including altars and veneration, The, the dance and the poetry of our oracle cards and the communications that we are having with the divine. And it's a completely different thing, a completely
1: different thing energetically. Uh Oh, yes. And I'm in so much of an agreement with that. I love that you put that in there because it is very much about the sacred and it's not about the form, right? It's really about releasing the form and really being reverent with the essence. And it's always in service. That's the other thing. Relational relations are about service. It's not about getting It's about becoming, right? It's different. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yesterday,
2: for example, in my mystery school, We did a service to goddess Oshun. I showed the the Mawu sisters in my mystery school how to create an offering to this goddess on your altar. And the energy, she's a goddess of love and beauty. The energy was just so high, vibrating so high afterward you know, because we had shifted. We had created a quantum leap. We had shifted the very tectonic plates, which is what I believe that happens Every time we say yes to ourselves, every time that we fall deeply in love with ourselves, the rooster agrees.
1: Every time (laughs) that we
2: awaken to ourselves.
1: Oh, I love that. There's a, I think that's saying when two or more are gathered in my name, there I am, right? There There I I am. There
2: I am, yes. And one of the things that you and I have in common, you know, with the conversations that we've had is that we get that, we see that, that it's not separate, that how you do anything is how you do everything, that everything is sacred. Everything has the divine in it. Even things that seemingly do not, it all, it's all good. It's all God. It's all magic. It's all sacred it's all quantum it's all you know yeah <laughs> yes. and the all
1: is in the small right that the all is in the small yeah. at always so your work is mostly for women so what are some sacred rituals you wish more women did for themselves i'm correct in saying your work is mostly for women right
2: absolutely i am not for everybody i am very clear about that so i speak specifically to women and i have added and enlightened men so for example this <laughs> past weekend i did a goddess workshop for the college of psychic studies and there were some of the enlightened men there so (laughs) But I'm speaking to women, and I made it clear to the men, like, okay, you are here and you can benefit, but I'm speaking to women. So one of my favorite rituals is the sweetening jar ritual, which most people know from African-American hoodoo. But it is also a practice that is done throughout the Caribbean in many different African diasporic spiritual practices. So the way that a sweetening jar is done, at its most simple, is if there is something that you are wanting to sweeten in your life, like, say, your relationship with yourself, or your love life, or your career or your relationship with abundance, you use this sweetening jar, and I'm going to explain how to do it in a second. I first wanted to share that a lot of people use this as a love ritual, and when it comes to love rituals, it's it's imperative that I point out I'm not a favor of any manipulative magic, anything that feels like you're trying to make other people do anything. That is not what this is. And first, do no harm. That is not what this is at all. So I love doing this as a self-love ritual. So what you begin with is what you have access to. That's what our ancestors did. So you can use a mason jar or whatever jar that you have. This ritual I did over the weekend with a group, I used an empty spaghetti sauce jar because that's what I have. (laughs) (laughs) And so you gather things that are sweet. The beautiful thing about a lot of this sacred magic is that it is literal. So if you want to sweeten the energy, you use honey, which is the, um, the the nectar of goddess Oshun. You can use brown sugar. With with things like honey and sugar, I recommend using honey and sugar that are native to whatever location you are in mm-hmm. because the honey is pollinized by the, the local bees and it is more active. The supermarket here where I am, the honey that I got actually was honey from New York. And so oh I use that. <laughs> That's where I'm from, so it all it all worked it all worked together. I also added in my sweetening jar, cinnamon. Cinnamon is a quickening agent. It increases the energy around abundance. And so you can put cinnamon in your wallet, for example, or in your bag. You can use, you know, um, cinnamon sticks. It quickens the energy. It accelerates the energy of abundance. So you can use that. I put cookies and I put chocolate in this beautiful ritual along with Pieces of paper where you can either create a petition, something that you are calling in, or just a sacred intention. And with the divine, because as quantum physicists say, time is not linear as we think it is. It's all happening simultaneously. You write out statements of gratitude. I'm so happy and so grateful that I feel good about my body. I'm so happy and so grateful that I'm in a loving relationship. I'm so happy and so grateful that my my job or my business is thriving. I'm so happy and so grateful that abundance comes to me easily and effortlessly and unequivocally. Unexpected ways. So, you write out these statements and you are then putting them in the sweetening jar and sweetening them with the honey, with the sugar, with the cookies, as I use, with the different elements, whatever it is that you are putting in your sweetening jar. So, that's the beginning of that ritual, which you can use to sweeten your own self-love, or sweeten your love relationship with someone else.
1: And then, so where do you put this jar? Do you just keep it on in your kitchen? You keep it with you? Where do you put it?
2: So you can use it if you're if you're an altar person and you're into altars, you can put it on your altar. You can in the new moonlight. If this ritual is a wonderful one for the new moon. So on the night of a new moon, you can put it out and let it be charged by that energy. And you can keep it in the kitchen for a time. There is a wonderful, great ancestor, Zora Neale Hurston, who I relate to so much, who was an anthropologist who wrote a lot about these practices. And she talked about visiting a spiritual doctor who, in his kitchen at that time, had a huge jar full of the petitions from everyone in the neighborhood with the honey, and it was overflowing. So you can do any and all of these things with it. All of us are more, you're more intuitive than you think that you are. You have more answers than you think you do. And so follow what your guidance tells you to do. This may be an eight-day ritual, It may be a five-day ritual, depending on what you feel the prescription is, or if you're working with a spiritual teacher, what they tell you. So for example, one of the goddesses that I was working on this ritual with recently, she said, well, I've got little ones, she's got kids, you know, and I I was talking about doing it for five days because five is the number of goddess Oshun. She said, I've got kids. If they're, you know, they're gonna knock this over, they're gonna, you know, do all kinds of things with it. I said, then do it as a one-day thing, And you just do it and then dispose of it at what I call the crossroads of your understanding. So traditionally, ancestrally, people would go to a crossroads where the roads meet in order to dispose of things in a way that is environmentally friendly, right? So... You, don't, you may not have access to a crossroads in Manhattan where I live. There's no crossroads where you can go <laughs> and dispose of things, right? So your crossroads could be your garbage disposal. It could be your garbage. It could be whatever it is. Just do it in a way that is environmentally friendly, supportive of your spirit and your spirit guidance. And intention is everything. The universe, the divine reads intention.
1: This is so fascinating. So when you dump out the jar, right? Say you're dumping out the jar. Is there a specific thing you say with the intention of saying, thank you. I'm so grateful for this happening in advance, right? Because you're praising it in advance. Yes, you're praising it. In advance. So thank you for bringing in the sweetness into my life now. And then you dump it out. Then do you wash the jar? What do you do with the jar after? So
2: you are ideally disposing of the whole thing. So if you're doing this ritual, yes, you can use, if you've got candles that you can put specifically on top of the jar and burn four or five days in a row, or however many days, then you do that. You are shaking the jar up every day and giving thanks. You know, um, adding the shaking is life force energy. It's your ashe, your prana, chi. It is life force energy. And so then at the end, you would either dispose of the whole jar, or you could open the contents, shake it up, blow on it, putting your ashe in it, um, depending on specifically what is in alignment with your ritual and dispose of what is inside and you would dispose of the jar as well. And the ancestors say dispose of it and don't look back. So you would put it at the crossroads of your understanding, which again, depends on where you live. There are things that I have disposed of in Central Park in Manhattan, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do that. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. But I would not dispose of a jar, for example, in Central right, Park. I get it. It's not environmentally friendly, right? I so, get it.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like a fabulous ritual. I think I want to do that, too. And we do have local honey in my cupboard, so yay. Oh, good. Now... What guidance would you give any of our listeners who are finding themselves stuck with creating a life they truly enjoy? Mm. Oh,
2: my goodness. I love this question because we all deserve to have a life that we enjoy. And I want to say to you, the beautiful humans who would be magnetized to this conversation, whatever it is that is in your heart, you are not too old. It is not too late This is your moment. You're listening to this right now for a reason. So for example, I talked about my mom and the way that she's a writer and you noticed that I said she has not been published yet because that is a desire that is in her heart. So if there is something for you that you feel like, okay, this is a desire that I have, know that you don't have that desire by accident. Your desire is a creative force. So whether or not you ever give birth to a human person, you are a creative force of nature. Your desire creates. The fact that we are able to talk internationally in this way is all based on someone's desire, different people's desire. Someone's desire created this microphone. Someone's desire created the internet. So if you have a desire, it's not casual. It's not irrelevant. So you want to, you don't need to see the whole staircase. We just lost Bob Proctor, who was one of my spiritual teachers. And one of the things that Bob Proctor would say is that if you have a desire and a goal and you already know how to achieve it, how to go about it, then it's too small. So it's not that we are dreaming too big. It's that we're dreaming too small. So magnify whatever it is that is in your heart and begin to move toward your desire in little increments, little steps. As Dr. Martin Luther King said, you don't need to see the whole staircase, just see the step in front of you and the next step and the next step and the next step and realize that the divine is speaking to you all the time. It's not an accident that you are here listening to this podcast. It's not an accident that I'm shaking you now energetically by the shoulders and I'm saying, come on, you can do it. There's something in your heart that speaks to you that you are being called forward to do. And I can't wait to find out exactly what that is for you, each and every one of you.
1: Wow. That was amazing. I want to underline what you just said about if you knew how to do it, it's too small right? The how. And don't you think we get so caught up in the how that we might have this deep desire and, you know, and and think, who am I to have this desire? And there's all these question marks about, well, maybe I don't count, maybe I'm unworthy. I hear that a lot. And it's so true what you said, that every single desire is God-given or or goddess-given, right? And desire is the beginning of creativity. And it is the spark of creativity. It itself is not the creativity. It it brings about the creation and... And we don't need to know the how. We just need to know when we imagine a solution and we don't know how to get there, that's not our job. We just have to keep imagining the solution. I love that. And I love that you stand for that. This is one of the reasons I love your work so much and you're so passionate about it. And it's so, so important, so important. So, okay, we're going to take a little break now. And when we come back, we're going to switch gears and enter another dimension of the Wooniverse, the tea time after party. So please stay with us. mercury retrograde is coming there are so many rumors about mercury retrograde but did you know you can work with its energy to experience a beautiful rejuvenation and gain deeper knowledge about life well i've created a free guide to help you not only survive but thrive through every mercury retrograde just go to itwpodcast.com forward slash retrograde download the guide now Welcome back. I'm your host Colette Baron reed and this is the Tea Time After Party brought to you by Magic Hour Teas. I love teas? And I think you will too. For more information and for 10% off, go to itwpodcast.com forward slash tea. Okay. So we are switching gears and traveling to another dimension of the universe. It's called the Tea Time After Party. And this is a place where we're going to kick up the fun. I don't know. We've been having so much fun so far, Abiola. I don't know how we can have even more. Exactly. We're here with Abiola Abrams and joining us now also is my Executive producer of Inside the Moon Universe, Connie Delaney. Welcome, Connie. Hello. Woohoo. It's so amazing to be here with you, ladies. Hello, Goddess Connie. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> this is so fun. Okay, Abiola, we have some questions for you. Are you ready? Well, I have a saying that we say in New York. You want to hear it? Yeah. Yes. If you stay ready,
2: you don't have to get ready. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's so
1: great I love it oh my gosh okay this is our first question we've all asked for the universe to show us a sign what is the wildest sign you have ever received from the universe oh wow there have been
2: so many so I don't even know if this is the wildest but this is just one of them (laughs) when I got the nudge the, the shake from spirit, from my ancestors, from the divine saying, okay, here is what your next book is going to be about. We want you to share rituals of the African diaspora, our spiritual rituals, and that it needs to be, it's going to be on Hay House. And I... Didn't know any pathway to Hay House (laughs) except for one of my dear friends. And as Colette can tell you, having worked in all kinds of media, as I have as well, you don't pitch your friends. We don't do that ever. It's just you just don't. You just don't do it. I've worked in television. I've worked in film. I've worked in many different kinds of media. And you just don't pitch your friends. You just don't. But I felt so strongly that this was that, okay, go talk to Jessica about this. And I, my response was no. <laughs> 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 like as a petulant child, like, you know, the, the divine telling me, goddesses telling me, the ancestors telling me and me being, no, <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. I don't, but I don't want to talk to Jessica about this. And then the day when I had summoned my courage, you know, to quote William Shakespeare, screw your courage to the sticking place and we'll not fail, um, which may be a Macbeth quote, which is probably wrong in this (laughs) instance. But anyway, (laughs) I got on the phone with my dear friend, goddess Jessica Ortner, and she started to share with me an African spiritual ritual that was shared with her by Ian Levansan, and I have permission from her to be able to share this story. And it was transformational in her life, and she started to share this with me. You cannot make this up, never in my wildest dreams would I ever think that my beautiful friend, Jessica Ordner, who is not of African descent at all, would suddenly start talking to me about an African ritual (laughs) that was shared with her, a West African Yoruba ritual that was shared with Ian Lavancean, who is a priestess to her, and it was just like, okay, <laughs> all right, trust, trust, trust. And so then I spoke to her about this work, and the rest, as they say, is history. History. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's story? her story, her story. Uh, that is funny. My editor, she said to me in our first meeting, she said, I've been watching you for a while. And she said to the other editor that we were meeting, we were in a meeting <laughs> with, she said, this is the person who I sent you all of her info and said, let's keep an eye on this one and let's figure it out. So it was already wow. happening. It was already happening. You know, again, you it don't was. have to see the whole staircase, just the step in front of you.
1: Yep, just a step in front of you. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. Okay, Connie, your turn to ask a question. Okay. You are so magical. <laughs> and this question is about magic. So if you could
2: have a magic power, what would it be? And what would you use it for? Maybe if I say an additional magical power. <laughs> Ooh, yes, and I appreciate the revision. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great question. I think that it would be to to help. Others to figure out our own gorgeousness, our own magic, our own beauty, our own sacredness, you know, kind of what I'm doing now. But to be able to, if you could be able to put hands on someone and have them, you know, know immediately how powerful they are, how special they are, how incredible they are, you know, and they could be able to bring forward their gifts into the world. Like, how much better would this world be? That's an amazing power. (laughs) And I feel like you already have that. Yeah, you kind of do. (laughs) You're
1: kind of Describing yourself already? <laughs> oh, thank you.
2: Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, no, don't say that. Yes, tell me more. No, it's my, are... my Leo self. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yes, tell me more. No, no, don't say that. Thank
1: you. <laughs> okay, if you could create a magic potion and give it to society, what potion would it be and what would it do?
2: Ooh that's a great one. Oh, my goodness. So my initial thought, of course, would be I don't want anyone to suffer, you know, so a potion of non-suffering. But then on the other side, then my brain is saying to me and my heart and my soul is saying to me, but what about all of the gifts that we do get from our suffering? That you cannot know joy if you don't know the opposite of joy. You cannot know friendship and love if you don't know the absence of that. And so I would think that the magic potion would be us being able to drink it and not know suffering. But maybe we drink the magic potion and we're able to get to the gifts that we could get from our human experiences sooner.
1: Ooh, that's a an faster awesome potion, a faster <laughs> track, so that we don't stay in <laughs> our suffering. Yeah. So that we don't oh. stay in the suffering. Yeah. yeah. Don't you think that would be? It would help people be less polarizing. Yes. With each other too, right? Because I think the, the whole polarization thing that's going on right now is because of the suffering, and people are are unable to get to the other side quicker and it just kind of seeps out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, oh, I changed it. Oh, wait. Right. No, 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 I <laughs> changed my change potion. <laughs> 2. Potion 2.0. What's your second potion? Potion, <laughs> potion 2.0. Is <laughs> if
2: we could see the beauty in each other, you know, if we oh. could just see the beauty in each other, see the beauty in each other, then I think that that would shift a lot.
1: I love it. I love that answer. Yeah. Potion number potion one and 2. potion 2.0. <laughs> both of them are good. I like them both. Okay. Oh, we're yeah. going to keep both of them. Okay. I have a question, Abby. Is there anything that you love doing?
2: that just allows you to lose track of time? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Trash TV, <laughs> housewives TV. <Yeah. laughs> I know the correct answer. I should have said my meditations and my meditation yeah. albums and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's there. So obviously meditations and mindfulness and all of that as a spiritual teacher. But then give me some trashy housewives of any county, city,
1: State. Oh, my God. I hear you. I'm also a fan. So, yes, I love it. I watch uh, Turkish soap operas. (laughs) Right? Same thing. Netflix with
2: subtitles. Same thing. Same thing. I love that. Yes.
1: Okay. Every... Every guardian angel, special guardian angel has a name. Yours is the name of your first pet and the name of the street you grew up in. <laughs> wow. What, what, what's the name of your first
2: pet? Okay. So, so is it my dogs that I grew up with or my kitty cat Annabelle that I love and adore?
1: Annabelle. I think Annabelle sounds good. Yeah,
2: okay. All right. So Annabelle, let me see. Annabelle in Springfield. Annabelle Springfield.
1: <laughs> She Annabelle Springfield so is the name of your guardian angel. She's she done.
2: Annabelle Springfield. Annabelle Springfield. Hello. Annabelle Springfield. I love it.
1: I love it. I know <laughs> it's a goofy question, but we like it. Oh my gosh. Any any more comments? You know, Connie? one
2: more, Abiola, one more. If you were a type of plant or tree what do you, or flower even what do you think you would be ah okay a plant a tree or a flower I would absolutely be a hibiscus flower I would be a hibiscus um they are native to Guyana they bloom some of them are edible um I would be a hibiscus yes hibiscus flowers make me happy so I would absolutely be a hibiscus I love that I love that. And there's hibiscus tea as well. It's called sorrel. So everyone who's listening, if you live near a Caribbean neighborhood, go into your local Caribbean restaurant and ask for some sorrel. Sorrel. And they will give you some hibiscus, either cold hibiscus juice or some hibiscus tea. Yummy. Okay. It's delicious. All
1: right. Well, we'll just go do that. I actually have one last question. So my question is, you meet an extraterrestrial. They want to move to Earth. What would you tell them about moving here?
2: Ah, okay. (laughs) Wow, okay, so... Hello, extraterrestrial. (laughs) Welcome to Earth. (laughs) I'm so happy to meet you. The places where I live tend to be very noisy. So I don't know if you want to follow me to Manhattan or to Guyana. (laughs) But Feel free to come on in. The water's fine. You'll fit right in. <laughs> I love that. They I can be it. very sensitive, hearing
1: sensitive, right? <laughs> yes. Hearing sensitive. They need to know oh my gosh. These things.
2: They need to know these things. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, this was fantastic.
1: So now let's each pull a card from both our decks because we know they both dance together, and let's ask, "What did we learn today?"
2: Mm. Okay, that's beautiful. Okay.
1: The rooster keeps crowing.
2: Yes. Okay, so let's see what the goddesses are saying.
1: I got two stuck together, so one, you're ready. All right, so I got
2: one, and I'm going to pull a clarifying card. Whoa, okay. All right. You go first. Okay, so... I've pulled double queens, which in my deck are third eye cards, all about our intuition and our guidance. And this is Queen Nandi Zulu and queen ya santewa and the message is basically level up which is what you are doing here with your podcast step more firmly into your voice everything that we've been talking about owning your voice owning who you are raising your standards for how you show up in the world which is what you're doing with this podcast and stop shrinking and hiding use your guidance to call you forward use your intuition and your spiritual gifts to call you forward
1: oh that's beautiful and for all of us to hear that because that's really what you've been sharing about yourself, your own journey. This is really an embodiment of your journey as well. And the invitation for us to follow in those footsteps, in your footsteps. So my cards came together. They were stuck together. The first card that came out was loyal heart about being loyal to your integrity, being loyal to who you love, be loyal to the highest good, right? That, that loyalty that you give is where your attention goes, be loyal to that, that spell casting that you talked about every word has cast a spell and, and be loyal to uh, be in alignment is really what it is. And then beside it was new life. So the second card represents teachability. It's new life. It's saying, don't be arrogant. You don't know everything. And that when you're being offered something, just like how you offered your beautiful book to everybody, to a diverse audience, right? You're saying, hey, everybody come, learn, come and learn. You don't know, you you know, and and be and be humble in life, period. You know, like be teachable, be humble, walk softly and stay true to yourself. And you've done that. You've done that your whole life. And I'm, grateful that you came today to be on this podcast. And I think that those two cards danced well with yours.
2: They did. Thank you so much. That is so beautiful. Yes, I love when our cards get to dance together and we get to dance together energetically as well.
1: I love it. I love it. Okay, so before we go, I want to mention Abiola is currently welcoming goddesses into her Mawu's Goddess Mystery School and her upcoming Goddess of Manifesting Tobago retreat. So exciting. So to learn more about Abiola's work, you can check her out at womanifesting.com. Thank you, Viola! Yay! Thank you, Goddess
2: Colette. And I have to say that while we are doing this, I just want to just share that our friendship means so much to me. When I came into Hay House as a new author and was nervous that this publishing company that means so much to me. I've been with other publishers, but there's a relationship here that just means so much to me. I've followed Louise Hay's work from the beginning. It was you, Goddess Colette, that came in and befriended me and said, hello, my sister, welcome. I am here, if you have any questions, let me know. And that just meant so much to me and still does. So thank you for that.
1: ah Beautiful. <laughs> and we have a lot of fun together, Abiola and I. Yeah, we were very, I feel very blessed. I think Louise put us together for sure. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, thank you. I adore you, I really love you. Time to share the way we love. Become the ones we dreaming of.
0: You've been listening to Inside the Universe with Colette baron reed This episode was recorded at Universal Network Studio by Chris Dupuy. A special thanks to our executive producer, Connie DeLetti, and our producer and story editor, Julie Fink. Audio post and supervision by Michael Seifert and David Shaw at Sumo Recording. Original music written and performed by Michael Seifert. Original music Truth Begins by Colette baron reed and Eric Ross. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or leave us a rating on our Spotify show page. Do you have a question about something you've heard here today for Colette? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at colettebarron and your question could appear on a future episode. If you love what you've heard here today, we have so much more to offer. You can access our bonus content, keep up to date with new episode releases, featured guests, and prize giveaways, all by clicking on the link in our description or by visiting us at itwpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you join us next time Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Main.